NASCAR's most important betting stop of the day. It's the money stop alongside Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano, and this is, as always, presented by Kicking the Tires. What a week we had in Kansas, Cole. This was an incredible race. A lot to unpack this week. Denny Hamlin is back in victory lane. He took out Kyle Larson to get there. And then, of course, Ross Chastain in another week where he's ruffling some feathers. And Noah Gregson is the guy who speaks up and tries to put an end to it. So, a lot to take from this weekend, Cole. And as you look at all that to unpack there, what sticks out to you? Maron, this was by far and away, not only the best race of the season, but one of the <laughs> best races I've ever seen by far. It had everything. It had the most lead changes in Kansas Speedway history at 37. You had comers and goers. You had strategy calls, parody, literally everything you could want in a NASCAR race. And this is what I want to see. I want to see more of NASCAR's bread and butter, more of these mile and a half tracks, because this is what you're missing out on. You're missing out on, on all this action, all these storylines, and this is really what NASCAR is all about. So, I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. You, you had yeah. to, to start the race, first of all, flag to flag, it was an instant classic. Lap five, Kyle Larson gets spun from the lead by Tyler Reddick, ends up rebounding to finish runner-up, and had things played out in the final two turns, maybe he would have gotten the win. I'm not so sure. I think Denny definitely had the faster car, but we'll never know um, after that little bump and run to the finish line. But uh, you also had, oh my God, William Byron. He went down, I think, three laps at one point. Ended up third. This race was just off the charts. I think we forecasted it very well also. We, had, we called that the Chevrolets would lead a bulk of the race and the Toyotas would win. And that's mm -hmm. what it mainly turned out to be. I think Kyle Larson led the most laps with 85. Truex led the second most laps with 79. And then, of course, Denny Hamlin scores his 49th win to go to number 15 on the all-time wins list, tied with Tony Stewart. Just a phenomenal race. I cannot say enough good things about it. And again, did just want to touch on the mile and a half program for one more second. I would love to see NASCAR. I, I know how they want to bring in more diversity to the circuit with the road courses and the dirt tracks and the short tracks. But go back to your roots. Go back to the mile and a halfs. I want to see the strategies play out. I want to see these multi-lane racing races. And it just it was just so damn good. And I'm still buzzing over it almost a week later. And I know I had a lot of fun watching it. I know everyone else at home did too. Yeah, it's unbelievable, Cole, because you think back to a time like 10 years ago and the mile and a half tracks were kind of the boring ones. Those were the ones where there wasn't a ton of on-track passing. There wasn't, it was kind of the same guy that dominated the race was the one that won and there wasn't a lot of real contenders. And the pendulum has completely shifted back in the other direction. As soon as NASCAR made the decision to add more short tracks and add more road courses and fewer mile and a half tracks, they've really got this program figured out. And it's I think this race at Kansas epitomized how well that's all working. And I, I would absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. I would love to see NASCAR implement more of the bread and butter mile and a half track. That's what NASCAR made its living off of for so many years with the super speedways in addition to these intermediate tracks. And I would love, absolutely love to see more of them. Um, we also want to touch on the fact that Ross Chastain rounded out the top five. And uh, again, I, I mentioned it at the top, but that's kind of with a lot to unpack here. I think the main storyline that as you got to Cole was that this was an instant classic and the fact that the mile and a half track program is off the chain right now. But, you know, it's crazy to think that a video and an altercation that made national headlines in the sport is kind of like the third, these various storylines coming out of the Kansas race, because this is, I first want to say with the altercation between Ross Chastain and Noah Gregson, so good for the sport, both of them. So good for the sport. Uh, I saw, and I, again, I work in professional baseball. I follow a lot of 
primarily baseball accounts, sports overall accounts. I don't follow a ton of NASCAR accounts on my personal Twitter, but I saw this video being circulated everywhere. I heard it from all ends from people that I'm close friends with that don't watch NASCAR, that saw it, whether it be on Barstool, on ESPN, on Bleacher Report. That is what we need for NASCAR. And, and not to say we need more fights. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that this is something that generate, generated buzz in spite of the fact that it wasn't this big kind of heavyweight fight. There was one punch thrown, you know what I mean? And the access that NASCAR got with this up-close footage, being right there in front of it and watching Noah Gregson confront Chastain, it's it's so good for the sport. I, I've heard from so many people this week that they're gonna want they're gonna want to watch the next NASCAR race because of seeing that kind of access and how fun that was to watch. And I love seeing Noah Gregson be the guy that kind of steps up and, and tries to speak for all the other guys in the garage with Ross Chastain. It's crazy to think again, Cole, that this was like one of the second or third storylines of the week coming out of the race if you're a NASCAR fan. But we just talked about how great and entertaining the race itself was. Now we're talking about how we're getting a lot more eyes on the sport because of some of the personalities within it. And that's something we have not been able to say in five or 10 years. Yeah. And the funny thing is you didn't even need the punch for it to be an instant classic, but that just kind of solidified it. That was the finishing touch. And you're right. I, I think all in all, I slept so well that past Sunday knowing NASCAR won the sports day. And that was huge considering you had NBA playoff games, NHL playoff games, one. Yep. It was just absolutely tremendous. And I, I got the same response from people that don't watch the sport. It did get national coverage. And it's, I think it was incredible how it was two of the most electric personalities, two of the most aggressive drivers in the sport. And it just goes to show you how intense everything is on track in the Cup Series. And I, I like that it was it was one of our Rookie of the Year contenders, Noah Gregson. My take on the situation was, I think, in reality, Ross did give Noah a lane to work with. But at the same time, he squeezed him right to the, the, the bare-knuckle edge of the wall and that ended up dumping him. And, and um, it derailed a really good day for Noah. He's had a very tough season. We documented Legacy MC struggles. He was a top 15 car, borderline top 10 car the entire race. This set him back, I think, three laps. He finished, I think, 29th, I want to say. And you understand the frustrations, but at the same time, it's like everyone's fighting tooth and nail for every position down here. So we all know how, how uh, Ross races. You got to kind of expect that from him at this point. But I definitely commend Noah for sticking up for himself and his fellow competitors in the garage area because, I mean, at some point, you got to take actions into your own hands. And um, I'm, I'm happy and also kind of laughing that it was uh, one of our Rookie of the Year contenders that, that was the first to do it. And I'm curious to see how others handle Ross as the year goes on because we know that these things are going to happen for sure in the next half of the year. So, again, just cannot say enough great things about this race and all the headlines that came out of it. And I am equally as excited going into one of the most challenging tracks on the circuit, one of the most historical tracks on the circuit, and in hand-in-hand with the history, celebrating NASCAR's 75th anniversary and throwback weekend. So it should be another great, great race weekend. Yeah, it couldn't draw it up any better. I mean, coming out of that exciting race, one of the best races of the season and of the last few years, and now you come into one of the most exciting and I guess the biggest pageantry races of the year in the throwback race, Darlington. And as we get into our Nick or Dime Slow, I want to wrap up on Kansas by just recapping the top five and displaying the fact that, again, we did forecast this very well. We'll get to more on that later. But Denny Hamlin, of course, was the race winner. Kyle Larson and William Byron, our picks to win, finished second and third. Bubba Wallace, who was one of our sleepers, wound up in fourth. Ross Chastain, 
fifth, Joey Logano was the only forward in the top 10. He wound up in sixth, which was also forecasted by us. The fact that we thought it was going to be the Toyota and Chevy show. Chase Elliott wound up in seventh, Martin Truex Jr. Eighth, Tyler Reddick in ninth, and Austin Dillon rounded out the top 10. So it was a successful week on our end, and we hope that you were able to cash in with us as well. Now, Cole, turning the page to Darlington, I mentioned one of the best pageantry races of the year, one of the best race weekends for paint schemes all year. We're going to look into our nickel or dime segment here, which is where we go over the paint schemes that we think are fives out of 10 or tens out of tens, nickels or dimes. And this is always an overwhelming week with all the dimes because there's so many excellent throwbacks. And there's even a few this week, Cole, that are great paint schemes that are not necessarily throwbacks. But as I'm a little overwhelmed looking through the paint scheme preview this week, why don't you kick it off? Give me a couple of your dimes and maybe if you have any nickels this week, but they're going to be hard to find. Yeah, this is a phenomenal weekend for paint schemes, obviously. I love seeing the drivers and teams represent those who came before and paying homage to some of the greatest drivers or even family members uh, in the sport. Uh, my first dime has got to go out to the number 14 and Chase Briscoe. It's a throwback to one of Tony Stewart's modified cars, and I just love how simple and clean this car looks, and to put it simply, badass. It's got flames coming from the front of the car, traditional flames. It's got like a, a, a yellowish-orange base with a red outline, but what really gets me is the, the contrast with the whitish-gray base and the neon yellow 14 with the red outline. I think that looks really nice. Uh, another dime I'm going to give out for sure is going to go to the number nine of Chase Elliott. It's throwback to his father's car when he raced for uh, Ray Evernham, and it's the plain and simple red base classic number nine that you might associate with Casey Kane. Just looks super nostalgic to me because that's when we kind of started watching the sport. I know it's very simple, but it's also one that it's one that's synonymous that people are going to pick up on, whether you're a, a longtime fan or a new time fan. It just looks really great. And it's the classic number nine from that Gillette Evernham team from back in the day. And I'm going to give out one more dime to the number 22 of Joey Logano. This car, again, it's very simple, very, very nice looking, very clean. The first third of the car is separated by the nose to the front of the 22 with a blue. And the 22 is a, a blocky black stroke uh, with a white background. That goes from the 22 to the middle of the driver's side window net. And the back half of the car is a, a red. And that basically highlights the Pennzoil logo. And the, the back half of the car just looks really, really nice. And if I got to give out one nickel this week, I'm going to go with the 48 of Josh Berry. That's That one's thro a throwback to uh, Alex Bowman's spotter, Kevin Hamlin. I'm just not a big fan of how this paint scheme looks on a stock car. I know it looked good on the uh, original that uh, Kevin Hamlin was driving back in the day, but I just don't like the gold 48 and how it clashes with the background of the uh, the red going from the, the front wheel to the window net and then the black, which is cut off by the half the 48 and the back half of the car. Just doesn't look very pleasing to the eye. Those would be my paint schemes I'm going to highlight this weekend. What about you, Stephen? I got to agree with you on, on all of those, first of all. But the good thing is, a lot of times when I agree with you, I have to kind of reach for a dime. But that I don't have to do that this week. I, I can look at easily three other paint schemes. I love the 22. I just want to harp on that again for a second because I think this is, you know, it's throwback week. I love the paint schemes that are very old school looking. And that's one of them. Um, on that note, I love the 99 car that Daniel Suarez is rocking. The Quaker State car with the traditional green, gold, and white looks awesome, looks very old school. I'm also surprised you did not give out a dime, fittingly, to the 10 car of Eric Almarola, which is a throwback to an old Dale Jr. paint scheme with the baseball seams on the side of the car and the red top. It's a great look on the Smithfield Ford Mustang, and it's an iconic Dale Jr. paint scheme from back in the day. And 
just looks really good on this next gen car. The red number pops with the red roof. Um, and I agree with you on all the other cars. A couple other dimes that are not necessarily throwbacks. I got to give one to the six of Brad Keselowski. That Castrol GTX car is phenomenal looking this week. With the green on the bottom, red stripe on the side that is thick, and then white on the top of the car. Chrome red number outlined in green. That's one of the, the really slick looking cars all season long. But I've got to give my personal silver dollar award of the season to the 42 of Noah Gregson. I absolutely love throwing it back to Jimmy Johnson's 2014 Coke 600 patriotic paint scheme. I always loved growing up, obviously as a Jimmy Johnson fan, I always loved Memorial Day, 4th of July weekend around that time, Coke 600, the, the Coke 0400 as well, Daytona. I always loved the Lowe's patriotic paint schemes. It was always what made it feel like summer to me. And now seeing this paint scheme back on track with the 42 car and the victory yellow that Jimmy would always rock, the neon yellow on the 42 for Legacy Motor Club, it feels like summer to me right now, looking at that car. It feels awesome to see that back on track. I cannot wait to see it at Darlington. I will 100% be rooting for Noah Gregson in this race simply because of that. It's really cool to see uh, the actual influence of Jimmy Johnson being a part of this ownership group with the Legacy Motor Club and seeing that car back on track. And uh, it, it's just, it's awesome to see. I, I love seeing any kind of throwback paint schemes that are within the last 10 to 15 years. That's kind of the sweet spot for when you and I first started watching NASCAR, Cole. And this one really hits home to me because it was right kind of in the prime of my NASCAR fandom growing up. A big Coke 600 win in 2014. Then for me personally, this one hits home specifically because of the, the roots I have to Jimmy. And I absolutely love seeing his imprint on the 42 car. And it was great seeing the reveal on social media with Noah Gregson rocking the original fire suit. It was just uh, pretty awesome to see. We talked a little bit about it last week, but it, it's going to be surreal to see that car back on track for me. Yeah, that was perfectly put, by the way, and associating that with summer and, and all that. I left that open for you. I absolutely love that 42. That's definitely one of my dimes for the weekend and a silver dollar candidate, in my opinion, as well. Just looks incredible. I also love that number six Heritage Castrol GTX Ford for Brad Kozlowski. The only reason I didn't pick the number 10 for Eric Amarola, which, by the way, I do like, I like this car a lot, the design and the history behind it. I just don't think it looks great on the next gen car, ironically. I know you said you like that. I don't know. I I think it, it looks too modern, in my opinion. Like, I like the ones that look more old school, like yeah. they're exactly from that era where they were plucked from. Um, and this one just looks too modernized for me. But yeah, we can go on for hours about these paint schemes. I think, for the most part, they all look phenomenal, and I cannot wait to see them all on track as uh, NASCAR honors its 75th anniversary and all the drivers and attendants who were on that prestigious list. Yeah, cannot wait to see these cars on track. Once again, you can find... The graphic at the underscore money stop on social media, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook as well. For those of you that are tuned in to us here, you can follow us on social media and check out the paint schemes for yourself all in one convenient place at the underscore money stop. So I am so excited to see these cars on track. Cole, we're talking about what they're going to look like. And as per usual, let's take it back and talk about pretty trying up Saturday, 1120 a.m. on Fox Sports 1 is when you can tune into qualifying. And that will be very important for this week. Uh, it's a big DFS week. We're going to look at the pre-qualifying odds per DraftKings. And they lead off with, no surprise, Kyle Larson as the favorite to win this race at plus 500. And then last week's race winner, Denny Hamlin at plus 600 is the second best odds this week. Martin Truex Jr. plus 700. Tyler Reddick plus 850. 
And William Byron, a pretty solid value at plus 900, rounds out the top five in odds. So as we break this into tiers, Cole, going to Darlington, which, you know, talk about the pageantry and the throwback paint schemes, which are great. Outside of that, this is a a really fun track. Always loved it. Um, It's going to be an exciting race, especially considering, again, all the storylines that are coming out of Kansas. So as we kind of break this into our favorites, our sleepers and our value picks, why don't you kick it off with a couple of favorites here? Don't need to keep saying it, but Kyle Larson is a contender for the win on a weekly basis with a bit of a bad luck bug. Not too bad results-wise for the most part, but just not as many victories as uh, we may be expecting with the speed he's had on a weekly basis. But uh, chances are, much like 2021, we're going to see Vegas value Larson as the favorite for the win on a weekly basis, or at least top three every single weekend. And for good reason. He is one of, if not the best cars every single week with one of the greatest drivers in motorsports behind the wheel, one of the best minds top the pit box in Cliff Daniels, and a pit crew that has made a reputation for being the most reliable on pit road. And for that, you can feel confident placing bets on Kyle Larson for the race win pretty much everywhere we go, but especially Darlington, and especially after that team's performance in Kansas. Mentioned it earlier in the show, got spun on lap five, rebounded to finish second, led the most laps in that race. And at Darlington, 70% top 10 rate, along with a 50% top five rate in 10 starts, which are the same stats as another driver, ironically, that we're going to mention later in the show. But Larson has had this driver bested in dominance, leading almost 700 laps in those 10 starts. And he has the second best average finish at 9.2, one of only two drivers with a average finish inside the top 10. And although no win to show for the dominance, he has three runner-ups, which all came consecutively. And he is a proven contender every single time we come to Darlington. And I think similarly to Jimmy Johnson at like a Michigan, but on a smaller scale, it seems like something inevitably comes up in the final stages of this race that prevents him from winning right when it's within reach. But um, Kyle Larson, he is just automatic at this track, always ripping that high line. And I feel like looking at this race specifically, I think what we're going to expect from Kyle Larson is a top three car, no doubt, the entire day, running up front, leading laps. And I think this could be the race where we do see him end up in victory lane, just because that team, like I mentioned it, they're a contender every single week. The speed's there, but something always happens, whether they get taken out in the final lap, they get taken out in a crash early on, that they just don't follow through with with the result they necessarily deserve. But I I think it's all got to lead to something and add up to a win at some point. And I I really do believe that we do see win number three for Kyle Larson this season, a long awaited win, I might add, at Darlington this weekend. Again, his odds are plus 500 for the win. Always going to want to throw some money on that on a weekly basis. And he is the most expensive driver for DFS at $10,900 and for good reason. For very good reason. It's funny to hear you make that Jimmy Johnson at Michigan comparison because it is very, it's a very similar dynamic. It's literally a matter of time before Kyle Larson makes it happen at Darlington with how he's run there. You think about Kyle Larson when you head to a place like Darlington, you also think of Tyler Reddick ripping the high line as well and, and riding that Darlington stripe. Top 10s and half his starts this year, but in the, the starts where Tyler Reddick is not finishing the top 10, it's just been so inconsistent. It's not been the season we expected because the days where that team has been on, they've been one of the best in the garage. And the days where they've been off, they've been really off. And it's just been kind of an uncharacteristic year from that sense. The thing is, when they unload fast, they seem to always have race winning speed. And lucky for us, we'll get a chance to see that ahead of qualifying, how that team does unload. And we're going to attract that Tyler Reddick traditionally is going to perform very well at. Riding back-to-back top 10s 
and riding into a track that that really suits his driving style well. Three straight top tens for the first time in this season, potentially, as long as he does not run into trouble this week. I think it should be pretty much a foregone conclusion that Tyler Reddick is going to start, run, and finish up front this week. He's one of three drivers to finish top five in both races at Darlington last year. Finished second and third. Hard to find a better resume than that in the first year of the next-gen car at Darlington. That's been something that, looking at our recipe for success this year, Cole, it's been looking at what we saw last year in the first season of the next-gen car and kind of basing our forecast off of that. And that's what I'm thinking with Tyler Reddick is that he's going to start up front, stay up front, finish up front. He's valued at plus 850 within the top five drivers and odds and at 9,900 in DFS value, a little bit of a better value than the highest price driver, somebody like Kyle Larson. Keeping it in the Toyota family, Cole, last week's race winner, Denny Hamlin. Three top fives in his last four starts. He is red hot coming off of that big time win, taking Kyle Larson out. And Denny was right there in the thick of things. You could tell he really wanted to win that race. And you know that he will be motivated to win again. He's led left in all four of those last starts that I just alluded to, where he's got the three top fives. And we'll see if they can continue to execute. Odds are that this is speed and success is going to carry into Darlington because Denny, in a long, illustrious career, has a 76% top 10 rate. Only five finishes outside the top 10 and 21 starts at Darlington, which is a notoriously unforgiving track. So that's a very difficult thing to do. Four wins there. Most recent one, the fall of 2021. A runner-up in the most recent race there as well. He's led almost 800 laps here in the last six races. Average finish of seven and a half over those 21 starts, which is the best in the garage. So you need somebody who is going to be consistent. And I think you can formulate an idea of the fact that he ran that well there last year. He's run well there in his career, and he's probably the hottest driver in the garage right now. Look no further than Denny Hamlin. Plus 600 for the win, 10,700 in DFS. He is the second most expensive driver behind Kyle Larson. I think I look at those Toyota drivers, and it's hard not to think that Tyler Red and Denny Hamlin are the two favorites easily this week. Yeah, and I think Denny's numbers speak for themselves, obviously. Just absurd numbers at a track that's just so notoriously demanding. And um, I think Tyler Reddick's obviously always a great choice when we come here. So, so good ripping that high line. But at the same time, he's a very uh, volatile pick in a sense because I feel like it usually burns him at Darlington. But maybe this year it'll uh, go in his favor. But Denny Hamlin, for sure, has to be one of the favorites going in. 76% top 10 rate in 21 starts is just otherworldly at this track. For my final driver in this favorites category, I got to go with Martin Truex Jr. And it was tough making the decision between him and William Byron for our final spot in this category, but that 19 team has made some serious gains after already being one of the most consistent teams all season. He led in the last three races for a combined 147 laps, just shy of 150 with the win at Dover and coming off the top 10 last week at Kansas. And while Byron's definitely had more race winning speed on a weekly basis, I think Truex has been a weekly contender that boasts ridiculous numbers at Darlington, kind of like Denny where it counts. Not only has he led laps in the last six races at Darlington, they account for nearly 70% of his total laps led at the Lady in Black with 537 out of 769 in 21 starts. And although his results as of late had been kind of mixed at this track, there's no denying his status as one of the best drivers every time we go there, very much in the same vein as Larson and Hamlin, in my opinion. And to back this up, Truex has had an average running position inside the top 10 in five of the last six races at Darlington. And the only one where he did not have an average running position inside the top 10 was uh, average running position of 11th in a race where he finished fourth. So Shuex is 
to put it simply, almost automatic at that Darlington to get a good result. And I think this these stats are very telling because Truex hasn't had the most dominant career when you look at it. Obviously, he had those early years at DEI and MWR where he wasn't in the best equipment and not pouring the best. So when you have a driver of this caliber now who is very much a Hall of Fame driver, in my opinion, and putting up these results and is tops and stats in multiple categories across the field, I think it speaks volumes about Shurex and where he's at and how far he's come and just how good he is at this track. Again, another track that's just so demanding on these drivers. Uh, I love his value this week at plus 700 for the win. DFS value is a little steep, but I think it's a good value if you're not wanting to go with someone like Denny Hamlin or Kyle Larson as those top two most expensive drivers. He is the third most expensive at $10,500. So our drivers for the favorites category are going to be Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. One Chevy and three Toyotas. I think one thing you and I can definitely agree on, Cole, when we look at that favorites category, it's pretty clear that we're pretty high on the Toyotas this week. And as we kind of jump into our sleepers, I think it's hard not to, when you look at Gibbs drivers and the drivers that have Joe Gibbs alliances, it's hard not to think about Christopher Bell too. We were talking about him last week as one of our favorites and he ended up finishing last after we had just finished gushing over his consistency all week long. He still leads the series in top fives and he's a top five car every single week. We're going to call him a sleeper this week, though, Cole, because he's a top five car pretty much every week. But it seems like he always kind of stalls out between that right outside the top five range of fifth to seventh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially in DFS. It makes him a very consistent pick for less of a cost than guys that are in our favorites category, like Larson, Byron and Hamlin. And with great stats at Darlington last year, uh, Christopher Bell is one of four drivers with top tens in both races at Darlington last year. He ended up finishing fifth. And sixth, so if you're looking for an outside chance at the win, a better value plus 1400 is Christopher Bell's odds, 9200 DFS. I think you can look no further than Christopher Bell as somebody that, as you get into that next tier of drivers, he's definitely somebody that could go out there and win the race. And I don't think I would be surprised. He's another guy that has that dirt track background, like Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick, that I definitely think of when we come to a place like Darlington. Without a doubt. And he's just one of those guys, kind of like Kyle Larson, where it's like they have the speed to win every single week, but there's just something holding them back. There's just one extra step they need to to get over to actually get in victory lane. And I think once they get that second win, it's going to just come in bunches. So that very well could happen this week. And I, I like him as a legitimate sleeper as well. Someone else I like as a legitimate sleeper, which is kind of weird to say, but kind of not, is last year's winner in this race, Joey Logano. I'll be completely honest. I definitely fumbled the ball last week and, and glossing over him. I was not confident in him at all. I, I had a lot more confidence in Ryan Blaney and the results they were stringing together. But Joey Logano finished sixth and with something to build off of too because he was about a 20th, 25th place car on the first stage and they just worked the strategy really well and were able to find speed throughout the day. And I think that shows a lot of grit within that 22 club. And we mentioned the inconsistencies before that still has not changed, but even with that, he still has six top tens this season, which is tied for second most with a bunch of drivers. And that just goes to show you how tight the competition is this year. So I think when you take a step back and and look at Joey's season as a whole, maybe the results aren't where you want to be, especially for if you're using them for DFS and such. But I think that they haven't been, as bad as we've kind of made it out to be. Already mentioned he won this race last year after giving William Byron the bump and run on the final lap. Led the most laps in this race last year and the second most in the fall. He was one of three drivers with top fives in both races last year at Darlington. He also has a three-race top ten streak at the Lady in Black 
the longest active streak in the field. And I think I, I mentioned being able to build off something from Kansas. I think this is a track that Joey knows how to navigate very well. I think he also plays into the throwback weekend better than probably anybody in the field. I think it just gives him another jolt in a way of uh, going out there and getting the job done. But I, I do think that he's going to be someone to watch in this race. I do like him over Austin Sindrick and Ryan Blaney from the Penske Stable. And honestly, I think I might like him over every other four driver in the field this weekend, which is, again, weird to say, just mentioning the inconsistencies last week and all that. But I think Joey Logano should be a really solid pick and someone that's not going to break your bank too much for DFS at $9,000. And even his race winning odds are pretty nice at plus 1200 which is really nice when you think about it, considering that he was the guy that won this race last year. Yeah, I think what we're starting to see out of that 22 team is maybe a little bit more of what we were expecting entering this year. I think it took a little bit longer to get to this point, but I think I just have a feeling we're going to see that team running in the top five-ish for a, a lot of the weeks remaining this year. I think I just think they kind of need to get their feet underneath them, and they're, they are pretty much leading the charge as far as the, the Ford stable goes over the last couple of weeks, and I think that starts with another good performance at Darlington. Another guy that's always high on confidence, especially when you come to a place like Darlington, is Kyle Busch. He's got two wins this year, and in spite of that, it's good to call him a sleeper because he does have the two wins, but it has been a very up-and-down year for KFB. The speed's been there for the most part, but it's a couple of things they got to clean up on pit road, start straight together, more consistent results. And again, this is part of the growing pains that come with a new team of you know Kyle Busch moving over to the eight. There's been the weeks where we've seen his talent on full display, and he's got the couple of wins. But I think there's obviously some things that they have to clean up. Big confidence, though, that he's going to be a threat for the win pretty much every week, but especially at Darlington. He led the most laps here in the fall, led in the spring, combining for the most laps led there last year. He hasn't placed above 30 there in the last three starts. Obviously, those are things that are not out of his control. But when you look at specifically just the performance, how he's run there, Kyle Busch is about as good as it gets over the past couple of races we've seen at Darlington. And over the course of his career, only one win. That was back in 2008, but he does have two runner-up finishes. And nearly 900 laps led, which is the most in the field coming into today. So I think I'm expecting maybe another volatile day from Kyle Busch. I'll put it that. I think he's been one of the more difficult drivers to predict on a weekly basis every week. I think maybe coming out of qualifying, we might get a sense of the speed that that eight team has this week. But it's a track that's been kind to him in the past in the sense that he has run well there. Hasn't necessarily finished well there on occasion recently, but he's got the win. I think that. You know, he's been difficult to predict and he's not coming off of too flashy of a weekend last week at Kansas. I could see him coming out this week in that 18, putting up a really good uh, position to end the race. Plus 900 to win seems like pretty solid odds. 10,100 in DFS, a little steep compared to similarly priced drivers. But I think you look at those odds and you can say Kyle Busch is a sleeper for the win. Uh, we're a big fan of his former teammates in the Toyota stable. But talking about some of the Chevys, we mentioned at the top, we mentioned Kyle Larson as, as kind of the, the head Chevy in this group, but the next one down is Kyle Busch, in my opinion. Yeah, I do like Kyle Busch this weekend. Uh, definitely speaking on the gut call, as we always preach on the money stop. I don't like his value for DFS at $10,100, because if you're going to spend that money, why not just upgrade to Kyle Larson at 600 more, or Truex even at, at 400 exactly. more. My final driver in this sleepers category, I got to go with the, the melon man, Ross Chastain. Obviously, a lot of talk about Ross and has been in a negative light, and that'll likely continue into Darlington after the scuffle with uh, Noah Gregson. But through the controversy, he still leads the point standings, and he's had laps led in the last four races. He actually only hasn't led in three races this year, which is a pretty nice stat when you think about it, especially when you consider DFS. He's also riding back-to-back -to -back top fives. And you know what? This track's called Too Tough to Tame. 
Ross Chastain is too tough to tame. He's also <laughs> led in his last four races at Darlington. He finished a career-high third here in the fall of 2021. And he's someone I think of whenever we go to Darlington. I think because going back to 2020 in the Xfinity Series when he had that three-way battle with Denny Hamlin and uh, forgetting who else, but he had a really, really fun battle there in the Xfinity Series. And this is another track where he typically runs very well at. I would liken him to more of a Tyler Reddick in a sense to where he runs that high line very well, but it can burn him and it usually does burn him. <laughs> but um, I think it takes a certain driver with a certain kind of aggression, a melon to the wall mentality, if you will, to tame the lady in black. And I think that Ross Chastain is definitely someone on my mind as a legitimate sleeper for the win. And, and I feel really good in my gut about Ross Chastain this weekend. Um, should he be able to, to keep it clean and avoid any retaliation from passerbys in the field. I think Ross Chastain's a legitimate contender for the win. I like his values a lot this weekend, plus $1,100 for the win and $9,400 for DFS. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of a risk with Ross Chastain anywhere you go, just given his aggressiveness and uh, many debts that people probably want to pay back to him. But I think Ross Chastain should be a, a very good pick this weekend for DFSN for the race win. I would say that even in spite of the tensions boiling with Ross Chastain that you mentioned, Cole, this field has been very good about keeping those off the track. And I, I thought it was even interesting to hear Noah Gregson say in his, his post-race media how he wanted to settle it with his fists because he he has a lot of respect for Justin Marks and Trackhouse Racing. And I think that there's people that are wary of that, that that is a well-respected team owner. And that's very good for the sport. And they don't want to really take him out in the middle of the race. And I think that that's something that we've seen over the course of this year. We've been wary of those types of debts that need to be paid. And I think it's still important to be aware of those, but not necessarily factor that too much into your decision to picking a guy like Ross Chastain. He should definitely be running up front. Those are our sleepers, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, and Ross Chastain. Digging a little deeper though, Cole, some of the names that maybe you don't think of when we go to Darlington. And I'm going to start by naming... Michael McDowell, who's had himself a really nice season thus far. Top 10s in both Darlington races last year as well, which he was only one of four drivers to do that last year. And this is not Michael McDowell from 2022, where he was having career days every week. It's been a struggle with the new team. He's got just the one top 10, no finish higher than 19th over the last four weeks. But obviously there's been a speed in that stable with Todd Gilliland putting up some good performances. So going based off of what's been working for us, Paul, I mentioned it before when we were discussing uh, Kyle Busch at Darlington last year, and, and looking at the little stats we have from the next-gen car era. And Michael McDowell did have a very solid day at Darlington two times last year. So I'm taking a little bit of stock into that. It's a little more of a true value than some of the bigger names we've mentioned in this category in recent weeks, as these are typically drivers who can win you know, a DFS lineup for you. And for Michael McDowell at 6,100, that is an excellent value in my opinion. I think that, again, picking him for your lineup, you're going to be aware of the fact that he hasn't run very well this season. But the fact that if he is going to have a good week, it's got to be at Darlington based on what we saw last season. So he is a a genuine value pick in every sense of the word. And so that's why I'm at least taking Michael McDowell into consideration this week. Right. And I feel like I had to have one true value in this category. Obviously, there these are all value picks uh, within the $7,000 range for DFS. But this is just a very difficult week to forecast in that regard because mention the the how difficult this track is, how demanding it is on the drivers. It really takes drivers with a lot of experience and drivers who know how to really drive that fine line right on the edge. For that, you're going to see a lot of 
veterans in this value picks category for this week. But I think it's going to be easy for people to get caught up in the flash of Noah Gregson last week in the top 15 run and the fireworks Ross Chastain, Ty Gibbs and his speed all season. But honestly, I'm staying away from both rookies this week and even the sophomore drivers and Todd Gill and, and Harrison Burton and, and Austin Sendrick. Again, just, just speaking on the difficulty of Darlington, I would stray away from those guys. For my first value pick, I can't even believe he's in this category, but he's only valued at $7,100. And this is going to be Eric Jones. He has stood the test of time at this track, no matter what he's driving, no matter what his stats are going into this track every single year. And think of him as Kyle Larson light at Darlington. I mentioned there was one driver that had the same exact stats as him with the 70% top 10 rate and 50% top five rate and 10 starts. Oh, that's Eric Jones. And he has a 10.7 average finish compared to Kyle Larson's 9.2. So you're getting pretty much the exact same driver for a lesser value. Obviously won't have that definite race winning speed, but he's going to be a contender in the top 10 for sure. And one area that he has Larson bested in is wins. He has two wins at Darlington, including the fall of last year, whereas obviously Larson has invested in laps led and dominance. So you can kind of look at it in that lens from a, a DFS perspective. But I think he's an automatic lock no matter what every single time he comes to Darlington. Speed has also been there in recent weeks. Luck just has not been there. And I don't think that's going to matter going into Darlington, a track where he has been tried and proven every single year that we go there. Love Eric Jones this weekend as a uh, a top 10 bet, maybe even a top five bet. His value for the win after winning this race most recently is plus 6,500. And again, his value for DFS is $7,100. Lock him in, load him up, throw him in for all the prop bets you can. Go with Eric Jones. Yeah, I love Eric Jones this week. And he's a guy that when I think of Darlington and I think of sleepers, I immediately think of Eric Jones. It's just, it's one of the tracks that I identify him with. And I think that He's poised for a very good week. Another value pick I want to bring up is Austin Dillon. He's had a difficult year, but he's looked really good at the three intermediate tracks we've gone to this year, including the 10th place this week at Kansas. He's got two top 10s, did not finish in the top 10 at Vegas, which of course was very early in the season, but he's 30th in the standings right now. I think that he knows that it's go time. It, it's Darlington is a place that's always been consistent for Austin Dillon, and that team knows that they, they've got to work their way into the playoffs with probably a win by this point, unless they string together an unbelievable string of top tens and top fives uh, and stage points entering the final few weeks through the summer and, and in, into the end of the regular season. But at Darlington in his career, he finished ninth there last year, career best second place in 2020 and an average finish of 12.3. And I just think you think of throwback weekend, Austin Dillon is kind of like a throwback driver. I just feel like he's another one that you mentioned it before with Joey Logano. And I mentioned it with Kyle Busch. He's a guy that I think has a little bit of extra motivation to go out there and perform well this week, just for the fact that it's Darlington, it's throwback weekend, it's the three car. And I think that, you know, the urgency is kind of getting there. We're at that point in the year, getting into May, we've got a lot of the season under our belts and that team knows that it's go time. And historically, Dylan has been, Austin Dylan has been a very safe bet for DFS in general at mile and a half tracks. And that could definitely help or hurt considering his struggles this year. It's, it'll be a gamble regardless with Austin Dillon, but I think when you look at his value in DFS at 7000 it's hard to find a more consistent bet than Austin Dillon, keeping in mind the fact that he hasn't run the best this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see a top 15 day out of Austin Dillon. I'm definitely looking to see where he qualifies for that DFS value, but when you're looking at filling out your driver with some of the cheaper priced guys to, to fill out your budget, I'm definitely looking at Austin Dillon this week. 
Yeah, he's a very safe bet. And when I think about Austin Dillon, I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of like a yeah, top 15 finish, borderline top 10 day. So that's again a very safe bet. And another guy in that same vein as a safer option is going to be Stenhouse. And I, I tried not to go with the safer options for this week, but it's just so difficult not to. Uh, again, given the the how difficult this track is, but also Stenhouse's stats this season. He's finished top 15 in the last five races with two top 10s and a 10.8 average in that time. So a really good sample size too. five races just looked really, really competitive this year. And Darlington's not been one of his best tracks, but he did score his first top 10 of his career there last year in this race. And I think Stenhouse, like Austin Dillon, is one of those guys that we think of when going to intermediate tracks. I think he's, again, going to be one of those top 15 guys like he's been the last five weeks. And I think he's going to be a very similar driver to Austin Dillon to where he's going to run inside the top 15, maybe on the fringe of a top 10. His value is also pretty solid, $7,400 for DFS. I did want to throw out a couple more names because obviously these are very safe bets for value picks when you mention guys like Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And typically those drivers don't win you a lot of money. So two drivers I feel really good about are from the college racing stable, and that's going to be Justin Haley and Edgy Allmendinger. I just like where that team has been trending over the last few weeks. Stringing together top 15 finishes, borderline top 10s. And again, we mentioned always mention go with your gut. On the money stuff, I do feel pretty solid about those two drivers going into this weekend. And uh, yeah, I just like where the, that team has been trending as of late. So if you want to, I guess, not safe picks, go with the Colleg Racing drivers. It's another classic Cole Cusimano dig deep call there. I feel like there's been so many times this year, Cole, where you've mentioned names like Corey LaJoy and Todd Gillen uh, entering a race weekend. And they've finished literally in the top 10 out of absolutely nowhere. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on the college racing cars that are going to be obviously good values this week. But as we look at trying to narrow this down to, to six drivers, Cole, out of the 12 we just named, the sleepers are McDowell, Dillon, Stenhouse, and Jones. I'm going to go with uh, kind of the old standbys out of those three categories uh, that we just named. I'm taking Denny Hamlin from the favorites. I love where that team's at right now. Kyle Busch, I have a good gut feeling about this week going into Darlington. And then Austin Dillon, kind of the same deal. I'm going with three guys that are the bread and butter of the sport that have been there for quite some time. And those are the three I'm picking from our 12. Beautiful. Uh, for my favorite, it's got to be Kyle Larson. I, I think he has a legitimate shot every week to win, but especially at Darlington, a place where he runs so well at. For my sleeper, I absolutely love Ross Chastain this weekend as a gut call, kind of like your call on Kyle Busch, who I also think is going to have a really solid day as well. And for my value picks, got to be Eric Jones, just so damn good at this track. And it's just proven results every single time we come here. So there you have it. Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin in the favorites, Ross Chastain and Kyle Busch in the sleepers, Eric Jones and Austin Dillon in the value picks. As we try to put some money in your pocket, we're trying to do this in a few different ways. We're giving you some of the race winner outlooks. We're giving you some DFS outlooks. But I think the most underrated to way to make money in NASCAR betting is with our big money bets. And these are prop bets where you can feel more comfortable throwing a larger sum of money on a bet that is more likely to happen. Top 10 bets, top five bets, things like that. So as we get into the big money bets, Cole, I think there's a few that that jump right off the page to me. Some weeks it's it's kind of a reach. It's a little bit difficult, but there's a few that jump right off the page. First is, is uh, Kyle Larson to finish in the top three. I think any week, any given week, if you look at the driver you think is going to win and you put a winner bet on them, I think you should also be putting a top three bet on them, especially this week with Kyle Larson. I would be absolutely stunned if Kyle Larson does not run into any trouble 
and does not finish in the top three. Like if that nose of the car stays clean and he doesn't run into any trouble, Kyle Larson's definitely going to finish in the top three. I feel very confidently in saying that he's the favorite to win this race. And I think he should absolutely be, you know, to finish in the top three, he's valued at plus 140. That's really good odds to more than double your money. And I would feel very confidently if you think he's going to win this race, which I think he's going to win this race. I think you would agree with me there. I would feel very confidently throwing a pretty big sum of money on him to be in the top three as well. Looking at top 10 bets, Eric Jones is plus 200 to finish in the top 10. I don't know how that's possible, but that's what he's valued at on FanDuel. And I, I love the idea of throwing a big chunk of money on Eric Jones to finish in the top 10 as one of my big money bets. And then you also mentioned how hot the 47 team is with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as a pretty safe option this week with top 15s in the last five races, as, as well as a 10.8 average finish in that span. Well, he's at plus 340 to finish in the top 10. That is really good odds to me. That's a really good value. And so I look at those three as my, my big money bets this week. Kyle Larson to finish in the top three at plus 140. Eric Jones to finish in the top 10 at plus 200. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to finish in the top 10 at plus 340. You know what? I'm going to keep this really short and sweet because you hit on my two big money bets. That was going to be the Kyle Larson top three at plus 140. Absolutely love that number. And I, I love that bet a lot this weekend. I said during my analysis, I think he was going to be a top three car the entire day. I do think that he's going to be a contender for the win. And I think that's definitely a lock, in my opinion, plus 140 for a top three for Kyle Larson. And I love, love, love that Eric Jones top 10 at plus 200. That should be a lock as well. The top five odds on my end, at least, are not up yet on DraftKings or FanDuel. So I can't really give anything in that regard. But I will say keep an eye on our social media pages because I did do a last second big money bet on the Money Stop account on Sunday, the day of the Candace race for a William Byron top five at right at even at plus 100 and that cashed. So be sure to stay tuned to our social media channels at the underscore money stop for up to date big money bets and other stats that uh, come throughout the week. That'll put some more money in your pocket as well. Yeah, you raise a good point. And we mentioned this a lot early in the season when we had maybe some new listeners tuning in, in the sense that these are, you know, we record these episodes typically on Wednesdays or Thursdays. This is before we get into kind of the storylines of the weekend and, and who unloads quick and whatnot. This is the outlook basically strictly based off of the numbers is what I'm trying to say here. And it's not taking into account the fact that somebody could trend in the right direction over the weekend. And that's following at the social media is so important because you and I are always posting last minute advice, you know, giving last minute feedback to certain people who ask for it. And there's things like that that pop up where a last minute big money bet of William Byron at, what do you say it was plus 100 to finish in the top five it cashed. And that, that is something you were very confident about. And obviously it, it ended up paying off for some people who were able to follow that advice. Shifting gears, Cole, to, you know, we just talked about prop bets. We've talked about race winner bets a little bit, which we'll get to more later. We like to give a daily fantasy recommended lineup every week. And we've been really successful with our DFS lineup recs this season. And heading into Darlington, again, I mentioned this earlier, you're going to want to definitely take into consideration the starting lineup for this race, which we're going to find out Saturday afternoon. So uh, definitely a track where you want to start up front and you want to see how these drivers unload. But I think that's something we always talk about with DFS lineups, Cole, is the anchors. You want to have your aces and you want to have your anchors. And we have both of those bona fide aces and anchors in this week's lineup. Our anchor that I'm 1,000% intent on building a lineup around is Eric Jones. You have the uh, average salary that you're supposed to pick drivers at around 8,500. Well, Eric Jones, for some reason, is valued at 7,100 this week. So when I open up the DraftKings app and I'm picking my first driver, I'm scrolling directly down to Eric Jones to set the standard 
for how much of an average budget I have for the rest of my team. Then I'm picking one of the aces. And you and I both agree that Kyle Larson is the ace in the hole this week. He's been the most consistent driver the last few weeks. Probably should have won last week. Excels at Darlington. He's been knocking on the door and is due for a win here. I think that you got your ace. You got your anchor, Eric Jones, Kyle Larson. Looking at our other four drivers, got a couple others that are towards the top tier of drivers that were actually both in our sleepers category. And that is Ross Chesting, who's valued at 9,400. He is too tough to team, racing at too tough to team. Then you've got our third most expensive driver, Joe Logano at 9,000. And then a couple of other value picks in Austin Dillon, who is at 7,000, the fifth most expensive driver in our lineup. And then the cheapest driver is Colleg Racing's own AJ Allmendinger at 6,600. So from least expensive to most expensive, you've got Allmendinger, Dillon, Jones, Logano, Chastain, and Larson. So I think that's a pretty well-rounded out lineup, Cole. And I, I think you and I were talking off the air for a moment about how this was a little bit of a difficult week to pick a DFS lineup just based on the way that the budgets and the, the driver values shook out this week. But taking that into consideration, I'm, I'm pretty confident in this lineup. I am too, and I think you described that just perfectly. Going with the your anchor in Eric Jones, that was the first thing I think both of us did. Was we we yeah. scrolled all the way down to Eric Jones, picked him, and then we went with Kyle Larson because we think that he's going to be up front, lead the most laps and whatnot, and obviously be a contender for the win. But I think if you don't feel good about Larson, you feel better about Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., just go with Jones and then your favorite for the win. But the other drivers in this lineup I feel good about too. I mean, you had Joey Logano, who won this race last year. I think Austin Dillon's always a very safe bet for DFS, and I think they can build off that solid finish they got last week. I like Ross Chastain a lot this week as a, as a gut call for a legitimate sleeper for the win. And Almondinger is a very under-the-radar pick, a very cheap pick as well, who's a driver with a lot of experience in the Cup Series, in this sport as a whole. And I think that this, honestly, this is a very solid, well-rounded lineup, like you mentioned, and I do feel good about it as well. And also not to mention, there is zero budget left over, so it is quite honestly, perfectly crafted, in my opinion. I think what's great is none of these drivers are going to kill you, except maybe Ross Chastain. I think that's the only risky part to this lineup. But I look at the cheap drivers, like I don't expect AJ Allmendinger, Austin Dillon, or Eric Jones are three most cheap drivers in this lineup. I don't expect any of them to sink this lineup. I think that if anything, it's probably going to be Ross Chastain. But Again, I, I think that the drivers in the field have been very good about, you know, taming themselves on their, you know, his reputation when those cars are on the track for, you know, the sense of respect. I just feel really good about this. I love Eric Jones and Kyle Larson as the uh, the two that start out this lineup. So that's our recommended DFS lineup for this week at Darlington Throwback Weekend, one of the most fun races of the year. And it's time to get to the fun part of this podcast. We are ready to drop the jack, take it to the bank and give you our race winner pick. Sometimes we go with a random gut call here. Uh, it's been a pretty good couple of weeks for myself. I got to toot my own horn here. The last three drivers I've picked to win have finished in the top five. So I'm on a little bit of a heater here. I picked William Byron last week, who got third. You picked Kyle Larson last week, who should have won and finished second. And you have picked three different race winners this year. So whether that's luck, whether that's skill, who knows? But what I want to say here is that you got to listen up to, to these picks. We go with a winner and a sleeper each. I picked the winner first last week. So I get the sleeper first this week, and you get the winner first this week, Cole. So uh, I think I know who you're going to go with, but why don't you tell us? First off, it's skill, not luck. So uh, we'll get that out of the way right there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I really want to pick Kyle Larson, but I don't want to pick him three weeks in a row. Sure. So I'm going to go with my my gut call, and I'm going to go with Ross Chastain this weekend. I just have a really, really good feeling about him. I think that that punch to Noah Gregson 
got him fired up. I think uh, he knows he hasn't won yet, but they're obviously leading the point standings for a reason. They've been competing at a very high level this year. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets that win. And why not at the track? Too tough to tame for the driver. Too tough to tame. So I like Ross Chastain as my winner for this weekend. It's a great call. I just feel like he's racing with a chip on his shoulder. It's got to get to a point to where you have all of this attention coming at you from all ends and you feel compelled to to actually put yourself in victory lane and and just silence all of the haters. But um, yeah, I got to be honest. I thought you were going to pick Kyle Larson, but I forgot that you picked him two weeks in a row. So that leaves things open for me to pick Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson's going to win this race handedly. And I'm going to also take the little hanging fruit for the sleeper. We have to, uh, our criteria is the drivers have to be outside the top 15 in outright odds to win to be considered a sleeper in in this category. And so I'm picking Eric Jones because he is 16th in the odds this week to win. At, I think it was plus 5,500. I don't, I don't know how it's possible that Jones is that long of a shot to win this race at a track he's literally won at before. And he's shown that that team does have at least some semblance of speed the last couple of weeks. Eric Jones is my sleeper this week. I, I've been uh, very intense this entire episode about Kyle Larson and Eric Jones, we both have, and, and those are my two picks. Very nice. I mean, if you didn't pick Eric Jones, I don't know. I, I would have given you a boatload of crap, but uh, <laughs> his odds have since shifted since we started the show, actually. It was 6,500. Now it's 5,500 for the win. And, I mean, he won- He literally wow. won this race the last time we were there. So uh, if you threw $5 on that, you'd win 280. So I don't see a reason why you shouldn't throw $2, $5 on Eric Jones as quote-unquote a long shot to win this race. Anyway, uh, for my sleeper, I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger. Uh, again, I, I just always go with my gut for these calls and usually in, in betting in general. And I feel like that number 16 car is going to be due for a, a solid run. And uh, I, I think top 15 should be a, a pretty solid day for that team. Well, there you have it. I'm going with Kyle Larson, Eric Jones. Cole's going with Ross Chestane and AJ Allmendinger. Coming off one of the most exciting races of the last few years at Kansas and a lot of pageantry this week throwback weekend at darlington a lot of fun paint schemes to see on the track again i'll be up front and saying i'm rooting for noah gregson to win in that 2014 jimmy johnson throwback 42 car it's going to be sick to see that car on track for me personally and just a truly great race weekends of the year and coming off of the momentum of such an exciting race weekend that i think put a lot of new eyes on the sport it's gonna be really fun as we head to darlington this week call any final thoughts before we sign off no I'm, i'm just so excited this is always one of the best race weekends of the year in my opinion I think you throw in the fact that uh, obviously it's throwback weekend on top of the celebration for the 75 greatest drivers in the 75th anniversary of the sport. It's going to make for a really great weekend. I think tempers are going to be hot. It's going to be a great day. And I also wanted to to sign off and saying that we'll probably take the week off next week for the all-star race, which is going to be at North Wilkesboro. Uh, Cannot wait for that one. I think the track looks absolutely phenomenal. And if there was ever going to be a race weekend where you wanted to go to the track, it's got to be that one. Just seeing this place restored to its glory after the year I was born. 1996 was the last time NASCAR raced there. So that's going to be crazy to see on TV, in person. And it's just like, in my opinion, I know that Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR, but this feels like a Super Bowl-esque weekend, in my opinion, because you're getting the best drivers in stock car racing at one of the most beloved tracks on the circuit that's being restored to its former glory. And you're also having tons, 
tons of local grassroots races this weekend at that track between late models and modifieds. It's going to be a phenomenal weekend. I cannot wait to take it all in. Wish I was going to be there, but um, it'll, it'll be fun watching at home. And I'm going to use this next weekend to um, roll out some new graphics for the money stop, get some things prepared for a visual element that we're going to be introducing here in the next few weeks, and uh, just get cracking on some some new and, and great things for this podcast and beyond. So I'm, I'm excited and um, hope you all enjoy Darlington. It's going to be a great weekend. Don't forget, crack open a cold dew, obviously. Obviously, yeah. I'm glad you brought up North Wilkesboro because that, that's going to make, make for the all-star race to have just a really exciting flair that I think maybe it's lacked over the past several years. And, and this has certainly brought it, even though we haven't gotten there yet. But this week, Darlington, Goodyear 400, 293 laps at the Lady in Black, 400 miles of racing. It's going to be really exciting. Practice and qualifying on Saturday, the race at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We're going to drop the jack on the most important NASCAR betting stop of the day, the money stop, which is presented by kicking the tires. For Cole Cusimano, I'm Steven Cusimano saying so long, and that once again, make sure you follow us on social media at the underscore money stop on most importantly Twitter, but also Instagram and Facebook for last minute betting advice and feedback based on developing storylines. Uh, this has been the Money Stop. Thank you all again for listening, and we will see you next week. Gotta make them wanna come back for more.